that to make sure everybody has one. And then we will go ahead and take care of that at the very end. So please hold on to your ticket. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. First we'll have Crystal Jackson with music. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to open us up with a song, Get As Well With My Soul. I don't know if a lot of y'all familiar with that song, the old hymn. So, Vic, go ahead and get rolling. Clouds be 
Thank you, Crystal. All right, our first speaker. I believe she's ready to roll. Anita, many of you know who Anita is, Anita Morrison. Um, she's, a, uh, she's a pastor's wife, let's start with that, which is a very, very special calling. If you know anything about being a pastor's wife and the involvement in that. But uh, Anita's a throwback because we've known each other for a long time from back in the day. Younger people don't know anything about that, but you, you who are older know all about back-in-the-day stuff. Amen? Um, we're going to have Anita come up and just give you a few words and get us started with our program. Amen? Anita? Rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah! Your alarm clock did not wake you up this morning. If you think your alarm woke you up this morning, take it on down to the funeral home. See if it wakes anybody up down there. You are up and alive and awake because God wanted to give you another day to get it right, another day to be blessed and to be a blessing. Amen? I just love Christian women. Ever since saved, it seems like I just love being around the saints of God. I'm telling you. And what a wonderful thing that we are able to celebrate the Lord and his talent, the gifts that he has given this beautiful young woman over here to write a book. It's a wonderful thing. They say if you want to keep some people, put it in a book. But that's not going to happen today. Amen. Well, oh, time to turn on my, wait a minute, so I snuck, there we go. Lord, thank you for this moment. Teach us what you want us to know. We want you more than anything. In Jesus' name, amen. What do Alexandria Hall of Cincinnati, Ohio, Michael Peterman, a 48-year-old Dayton firefighter, and Ronald J. Huff of Newark, Delaware, a car lot attendant, all have in common. They all died as a result of being bitten by snakes and reptiles. Vipers were not at the zoo or in some 
animal sanctuary, the reptiles, vipers, lizards, and snakes were living in all three victims' homes. Dangerous, exotic pets being kept in violation of state law, each owner had over 20 of them. Handmade, empty wooden cages, enough to hold reptiles between two and a half feet and six feet, were stacked against the walls, empty, when the authorities raided their homes. Aquariums and cushions for lizards to lounge upon were scattered about their homes. Small shelves had been cut into the bathroom closets, providing spaces for the reptiles to rest and snooze after roaming freely around the victim's living quarters. Though the reptiles had bitten their owners several times, the victims' fascinations with illegal exotic reptiles turned into obsession. Their family and friends warned them about the dangers of these wild animals, but the victims would not listen, becoming more and more withdrawn from family and friends. Ronald Huff, that that I was telling you about, even removed his telephone service. What did they not know or believe? That every time they were bitten, immune-weakening bacteria was being deposited into their bodies through their bloodstream, spreading poison and causing weakness and disorientation. Reptiles patiently waited over months and weeks for their owners to eventually die. After receiving calls from concerned family and co-workers, police went to Ronald Huff's apartment one Wednesday morning. Officers found the television on, the heat up, and Huff's body against the door. Several lizards on top of him eating his body. They ate off his face. I'm sorry, did we just eat? Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. <laughs> These people's dedicated devotion, loving, loyal affection for dangerous animals was a misdirected devotion. Misdirected devotion can kill you. What are you going hard after? Who or what are you following in a devoted pursuit? Hot, passionate, following. To whom or what are you devoted? Psalm 63, 8, David said, My soul follows hard after thee. I follow close behind you. My soul clings to you. I stay close to you. Your right hand upholds me. And he was talking about? The Lord, that's right. Following in complete devotion to God will result in abundant and eternal and everlasting life. Anything else, anything that we put before him will result in our death. Soul, death of spirit, and in this case, death of body. That is why God called David a man after his own heart. David was going out. Heart of God in hot pursuits. You know, we have an enemy who the Bible describes as a snake, that old serpent. Who is he? 
the devil. That's right, Satan. That's right. And he will bite as we entertain sin. He will bite us. And we won't even, like, we'll just say, oh, well, that, you know, that's just one thing. And God's trying to get our attention. He'll bite again, just like these snakes. He'll bite again. We don't even know that it is depositing a poison in our hearts that will take us away from the true and living God. Devotion. What are you devoting your life, your time, your talents, your treasures, your resources? What? Are you devoting those wonderful gifts to? The first commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the sum. Exodus 20, what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 34, 14. Thou shalt worship no God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Because God loves us and created us him before anyone or anything, he becomes jealous when that relationship with him is threatened. When we turn from him to follow other gods, whether snakes, lizards, or too much social media, I'm just saying, Almost hit a girl walking down the street. Uh, she was, she did not see it coming. There were three lanes, three lanes of track. She, she didn't even see us. She had her head down. She was walking. The light turned red for her, green for us. She never saw. She never looked back. She had her face in the. Listen, too much. Let me use this one. Oh, thank you. So nice to have a man around the house. Men around the house. And it's so nice to have the men around the house. Thank you, brother. Okay, is that better? Okay, thank you. Anyway, what I was saying quickly. Oh, how are we doing? Whenever we take time, energy, or resources rightly belonging to our Lord and give it to anything or anyone else, God's spirit is grieved and God is violated. It is idolatry spiritual adultery when we give him his rightful place as number one in our lives god is pleased and we bring a smile to his face luke 7:36 that's where we're going so if you have your bible your tablet your phone luke 7:36 one of the pharisees asked jesus to come to his home for a meal so jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat 37 a certain woman in the city who was a sinner heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume 38 and when she knelt before him at his feet weeping her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them you know uh i just remember this in my own life I remember how upset I was. I was reared in church. I was reared my fourth generation, second Baptist in Columbus, Ohio. I I was reared in church. I knew all kinds of Bible, you know, from the Holy Scriptures, 
uh, you, have, you have known since childhood the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation. I knew all that stuff. I was taught well. Good evangelical church. When I was 19, um, and before that, I knew that virginity was important, and I kept myself all through high school. They laughed at me, and they teased me, and they called me goody-goody two-shoes and a whole lot of other stuff, and I didn't care because I was, I was just going to stay pure for my wedding day. And then I went to college. And I started working, and I had my own apartment and my brand-new car, and I thought I was all that. And I met a man at 19, and we started going through premarital counseling with my pastor. And he even came and was baptized at the church. And I left my firm convictions to remain a virgin until marriage. Because I was not devoting myself to God, I devoted myself to this man. And I'm telling you, I remember how horrible I felt. I had violated my conscience. I had violated my promise to myself. And I was going to church every Sunday sleeping with my boyfriend. Like some of you are. And like some of you have. And haven't repented. And so I kept, I remember how God kept drawing me. He kept, you know, he is so good. He never gave up on me, never let me go, never. He just kept pulling and pulling. And the convicting spirit of God who convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, he just kept hammering me with the truth. And, and so finally, I, I started crying. I just cried and cried. I, re, I understand this woman. I get this lady. I was going through premarital counseling with this person, and one day we were in counseling, and he said, the, the pastor was reading Ephesians 5, and how Christ is to love the church, and how a woman is to submit to her husband, and, and all that. We got out of premarital counseling, and I said to my then fiancé, so what did you think of that? And he, you know what he said? You can live your life by that Bible. I am not living my life by that Bible. TKO, just right there, like, like, like somebody had just boxed me. I, I needed that. I needed that wake-up call. So as I was staggering around, completely confused, having being engaged to be married to an unsaved man. Here I am. My parents are all leaders in the church. And here I am sneaking around with this little secret and about to marry an unsaved man. All because I was going to do things my way. Oh, he was fine. Everybody was like, oh, he's just so fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start looking pretty bad about 15 minutes after the vows when they start misbehaving, don't they? It's amazing how a good-looking man, when you don't know him, starts to look really ugly when his heart is jacked up and he ain't saved. It's an amazing thing how all that good look goes right out of the window. It's an amazing thing. Oh, but I digress. So anyway, anyway. I understand this woman and her crying. 
The scripture says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. I was fornicating like, you know, some of you all are. Neither fornicators nor effeminate do I even have to go there. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Their job is not to make law. You cannot make law. The judiciary is not to make law. What is this, 10th grade physics? It is the legislature's job to make laws. It is not the court's Okay. Fornicators, effeminate, neither abusers of themselves and mankind, neither thieves nor covetous nor drunkards shall have their part in the kingdom of heaven nor inherit it. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It was that experience that got me saved. I got saved as a result of my hypocrisy as a young woman, as my, oh, God snatched the rug from under my feet, and I was in a free spin fall until with loving kindness, Jesus came and picked me up out of the miry clay and, and out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto my God. But you better, you better have some kind of crisis that brings you to Jesus so that you know it's time to surrender. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And this woman who is crying, he opened her eyes. And she began a hot pursuit of Jesus. She knew they would talk about her and criticize her when she went into the Pharisee's house, and she didn't care. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor." And are heavily laden with sin. And I will give you rest. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who was the host saw what was happening. That this woman was washing his, his, Jesus' feet and crying. He said to himself. This proves Jesus is no prophet. If God was really sent, had really sent him. He wouldn't know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. It is amazing how insensitive a judgmental religious person can be. That is why God has called us not to a religion, but to a relationship with him and his son. Because religious church-going, pew-polishing people can be horrible judgmental. Here she is crying her little heart out, coming to Jesus, and he didn't even care. You better watch yourself, because I know. I was in church all my life. I know that you can deceive yourself and be deceived until you finally knock on the gates of hell. You better be careful. You better examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. You better have a come-to-Jesus meeting like this woman did, or you know what? You need to question your paternity, your spiritual paternity. Make sure that God is your father and not the other guy. (laughs) 
40. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied. Go ahead. 41. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to another. Man, that's like 10%. Okay. 42. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your house, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. She was washing, has been washing them with her tears and wiping them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting. She's kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has been forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Hey, I, even I am he that blotteth out your transgression for my own sake. And I have cast all your sins behind my back, says the Lord. 49, the men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? He just like way off the beam. 50, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Because she was devoted. Before she got to Jesus, she had a moment And it had to do with tears and surrender and admission and confession of sin and an acknowledgement. He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes sin shall have mercy. She lavished her praise on him. So instead of crying, she had beauty for ashes and the joy of gladness to replace mourning and a garment of praise to replace the spirit of heaviness that she might be called a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Listen, all because she made a decision that despite the Pharisee and his house and his criticism and the town and all the people, she took a chance, she took a risk, and she went to the one that said, come to me, I, even I, will never leave you or forsake you. She believed that he was the son of the living God and that he was going to give his life life for her. Listen, that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. She had the love of God and the penalty for sins were gone. It doesn't matter what anybody says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up in judgment against you You shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. You are vindicated by his righteousness. You stand firm. You know you've done wrong. Tell God. Start confessing. Just every day. Keep a short account with him. Go to him. Devote yourself to him. Spend some time. Who saw War Room? Who saw the movie War Room? Oh, my goodness. You all need to go see War Room. Get get devoted. 
spend some time, can't have time with somebody, can't be devoted to somebody you don't want to spend any time with. Spend some time with him in prayer. Read the word of God. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to be transparent and to tell people our stories. Give us, Lord, power to not try to hide and do things in secret, but to always just come to you and let that secret, whatever those secrets are, really just be in your presence. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Most High. Help us to treasure you in secret. And those of us who treasure you in secret, would you reward us openly? And would you help us with these young women and old women and middle women, but especially the young women, to tell our stories and be honest and transparent so that they know they don't have to be perfect, but they can come to you no matter what. I want to thank you for blessing my life with your presence and saving my soul when I did not deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Help me to give a lavish praise. Help these women to give a lavish praise. Because you who have forgiven much, you deserve much love. In Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. Alone in a room, it's just me and you. I feel so lost, cause I don't know what to do. And what if I choose? The wrong thing to do I'm so afraid Afraid of disappointing you I to talk to you And ask you for your warnings Especially today When my world seems so cloudy Guide me until I shoot. Open up. I want to open up my That's why I 
take someone that was once broken into pieces and place them perfectly together to fit his will. Hidden behind her smile was a young girl who battled with low self-esteem and depression for many years. Finding herself jobless and pregnant at 19 was devastating, but she vowed with God's help to do everything she could to turn her life around. Through her journey, she found that experience was a stepping stone, discovering her purpose. Overcoming those obstacles fueled her passion to help young women find their way. She's a dynamic young lady, and I hope that you enjoy listening to what her story is and what she has to say to you to encourage you and uplift you. Amen? Thank you. Angelica Lee Reeves. Thank you so much for having me uh, here today. Now, I'm not a speaker. I'm a writer, so don't critique me too bad. Um, so I'm going to just go right in um, and tell you about my book. It's basically a story about my life and how I struggled with low self-esteem. So from as early as I can remember, I hated the way I looked. I know many of you may um, experience similar feelings, not feeling beautiful, feeling inadequate, and unwanted. My personal struggle with self-esteem started when I was a young girl. I was, re- I was raised in a non-traditional household my, because my parents were divorced. I was the youngest and the only girl of three siblings living with my mom. She provided us with morals, values, a home over our, a roof over our head, and that good old-fashioned tough love. But we didn't receive much emotional investment. We did go visit my dad on the weekends. Um, it was love, loving, fun. Um, he provided entertainment and activity. But there wasn't much structured character building there. And occasionally he wouldn't show up. My parents didn't quite work together to provide that complete balanced parenting structure that we needed. My mother attempted to fill both roles, which provided more sanction than the nurture that we required. My father tried to stay on our good side out of guilt, so he didn't provide much discipline. My self-esteem couldn't endure the teasing and self-doubt that I often received from others. I was teased for having big lips, being too skinny, and being flat-chested. I didn't believe black skin was beautiful, so I had deep-seated insecurities. By the time I was 13, I attempted suicide. I believed that that was the only way to stop the pain that I felt every day. Hiding my pain was easy for me. No one really knew just how much pain I was in. I mastered hiding my emotions. I didn't want anyone to think I was weak. I I relied on the validation from others, and relying on these opinions of others gave me a false sense of self-esteem. A compliment from, from someone would send me to cloud nine. Needing this validation from others left me vulnerable to the mistreatment from guys. At age 16, I entered into the most abusive relationship of my life. He abused me physically and emotionally. He spit in my face, choked me out, and even threatened me. I stayed because I thought he truly loved me, and I didn't want to be alone. Right after high school, I got pregnant, and we moved in together. Those were the worst two years of my life. I eventually managed to get out of that abusive relationship, but only to find myself giving myself away to men who didn't deserve me. I allowed men to rule the relationship. I put my beliefs and values to the side just to please them. 
I had to feel desire in order to feel good about myself. I felt like such, such a failure because there were many times that I didn't have money to buy diapers or even gas to get to work. I spent many nights crying, wishing my life were different, asking God, why me? For several years, I continued on the same vicious cycle. I realized that things wouldn't just change on their own. I had to make the choice that I wanted a better life. We naturally satisfy our physical needs without thought. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're thirsty, we drink. When we're cold, we find warmth. When we enter a dark room, we find the light. Although equally as equally important, we neglect our emotional needs. Where would I begin mending the wounds from years of pain? The Bible says everything works together for the good of those who love the Lord. But how could the pain in my life be working for my good? 1 John 5 and 13 says, to love me is to keep my commandments. Did my life really reflect my love for God? I was having premarital sex. I hated myself. I allowed men to use me. None of these things actually showed that I loved God. I always knew knew that no one loved me as much as God, and I was tired of running from him. I I decided to allow God to direct my path. I gave my life back to Christ. One day at a time, I made better decisions. One scripture that I will repeat to myself, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I still had bad days and dealt with self-doubt, but I refused to believe and succumb to the negative ones. Slowly, my life began to change. God has a way of giving us just what we need when we least expect it. I told myself I wouldn't date until I secured a job and things were more stable for my daughter and I. It seems like at that moment I made that decision. I met my husband. I was a little reluctant at first, but I couldn't stop what God had already predestined. Shortly after meeting him, I found a job. It seems like God had just been waiting on me to trust him. It was my mom who introduced me to Christ. I remember her praying every night, asking God to watch over us. She may not have been able to to fulfill those emotional needs that I require, but God filled that gap. I'm standing here today because I know she never stopped praying for me. It wasn't until after the storm that I realized God's purpose for my years of pain. I still face problems today, but I've decided instead of just going through them, I would grow through them. That's all I have. Thank you. We're going to open up uh, to time now for some questions that anyone might have uh, about Angelica, and we'll lead into the closing part of our program after that. Amen? Anyone have any questions? Don't be shy. When did I decide to write the book? Um, I've always wanted to write. I just didn't know um, what it would be about, so I would say... Maybe about four years ago, I decided to actually put it into works, but it's been something that I've always, I've always enjoyed writing. So I guess after going through, you know, a difficult past, I finally got the idea to write The Black Girls Don't Cry. Uh, 
I mean, it was it was easy to get it published. I, I went through Create Space. It was hard for me to actually put it out there because it's it's my life. So it was very difficult to actually express and be vulnerable and just you know be tra- being transparent. So that was harder than physically putting releasing the book. Okay, the title came because actually my mom, she's such a strong woman, and I've maybe seen her cry once or twice. So um, I just wanted to demyth or debunk the, you know, you have to be strong, don't cry. So it's we know we actually do cry. So the title just came from um, trying to debunk that myth that we do cry, and it's okay, you're not weak if you do. Um, it was actually one incident um, where me and the young the gentleman um, got into a really bad argument. Um, the police were called to the house, and my daughter was in her swing. And one of the police officers stayed back and actually talked to me, and he's like, why are you still with him? I said, because he's going to change. You know, we're going to live together and get married. He's like, no, he's not going to change. And if you don't leave him now, this little girl is going to, you know, suffer. So the, at that moment, I realized I needed to get out of it. Yes. I guess I always knew it, but I didn't care. Um, if, you know, they provided me with that esteem that I needed, so, you know, I would continue to let people take advantage and use me, but I finally got the strength to say, you, you know, I'm worth more than letting them run over me and, you know, dismissing my morals just for this guy. Any other questions? Yes. Um, it was a struggle, um, but he's very persistent. So I guess by him not giving up, you know, that opened the door. Had he given up, we probably wouldn't be together. But he was extremely persistent because I was completely bordered up, like, no, I'm, I'm okay. You know, so it was his persistence. Amen. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, my mom, you know, she took us to church. We were at church every Sunday on Wednesday, Bible study, prayer. So I always knew him. And I, be- I don't know where I strayed away. I guess the world kind of looks more enticing than the safety of home and church. So I've always knew- known Jesus Christ. But it was introduced through my mom. Um, I was just, I was tired of um, being away. You know, there's always that emptiness, and I tried to use the men to fill that void, but it didn't work. Um, So I just decided to, you know, walk away from that life, and I cried and said, you know, this is it. I'm ready to walk in my purpose. Any other questions? Angelica, thank you. Thank you. Uh, just remind everybody, give her a round of applause as well, please. I'll add my thanks, Angelica. Appreciate your story. If there's something that's touched your heart here today, just say amen. A lot of people have been going through similar stuff, and we've all gone through it at one point or another, but the joy and truly is in transparency. Help someone else with your life. Don't hold it in.
But we're going to do our final wrap-up and just let you guys go on and grab some more stuff.